And welcome back to the Careful Boys. We got an amazing episode of The Hot Seat here featuring Mr. Eric hey. Nim over here. Woo. Here we are on The Hot Seat where we got the hottest seat in the game with the hotter questions and all that shit. But We like um, to start off the, the questions on The Hot Seat very cold and then throughout this video we're going to turn up the heat. Yep. But uh, to start, we always have Bart with the coldest of the iciest questions. Which flavor of Starburst do you hate the most? God, it's got to be the lemon. The yellow one? <laughs> a lot of people don't like Me too, I don't like that one. You don't like the taste of pledge? We care about our skin color, so we don't like the lemon, that's why. It tastes like so, lemon okay. pledge. I could yeah. throw that one away. So. Yeah, it's like lemon pledge. Yeah, yeah, why? Like. You know, as a kid, you know, your, your mom would be like cleaning out house of lemon pledge. Yep. And you, when they spray it, you get that flavor in your mouth. Yep. And then when you open up the Starburst, everyone loves the pink, right? Like the pink and red. Pink is the good. And then when, you, when somebody gives you a yellow, like fuck, not the yellow. I thought it was banana. <laughs> or the orange is one. The what orange one's like why? You know what? It, the yellow one is banana in the blue colored Starburst. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. But in the classic, it's lemon. No more right, banana right. candy. It's pledge. I'm not mad at the orange one. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, I'll turn up a little bit. <laughs> you're, you're a finance guy, right? You're still finance guy. What? What? At what age did you earn? your first six figures? And how did you celebrate? Oh, That's a good question. Shit. That's a really good question. Um, it was when I started my, I've, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 16, I'm like 43 now. I didn't get my first six figures until I started my tax business 13 years ago. And how did I celebrate? I really didn't celebrate, I just kept grinding it. Like I, was, I had this, this toxic hustle culture like work type yeah. of thing and I was just so lost in the sauce. That like when I got it and I saw it in my bank, I'm like, it's just another number. You just kept going. Yeah. Oh shit! Wow, that's cool. And now like I'm finally at a point where I'm like, I should start celebrating my wins and stuff like that. But back in the day, dude, I didn't celebrate shit. How do you celebrate your wins now? Um, either go out to grab something to eat with my son, yeah. or um, you know, I'm not like a big like buy myself something cool. Although I I do buy myself something cool every now and then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I usually go out to eat with my son or something like that. I'm like, dude, we made it. We did this. What's the last coolest thing you buy yourself? Oh, it's gotta be my Porsche. What kind of Porsche is it? It's a, uh, so it's a 987 Boxster. It's like a Canyon Carver. I love the thing. It's slammed to the ground. It got coilovers, big mm. wheels, all that stuff. So much fun. Picking turns like a champ. Yeah, yeah it's so much fun. Your uh, son's 18, right? Yeah. Have you guys ever thrown down before? Ooh. Bam. Dude, last so last year. That's a good question. It's a great question. Because if Tyke, man, a minute, Tyke is eighteen. He fucking talks back. Still gonna I'm, sit I'm gonna on whoop it. his ass. So we, I, we've never, we've never actually gotten to like any type of like argument or fight. Like he's super chill. Like I'm a super chill person. Oh. But like in terms of like, like throwing down. Instead, we would get down. So like in, when he turned eighteen, he wanted to, to go to his first music festival. So he's like, Dad, I want to do EDC. And I was like, all right, let's do EDC. We ended up raging hard. Did you do the first part of the EDC? <laughs> the E part. The E part of it. <laughs> I was with you, I was like, what's the, the full experience? <laughs> what's the first part? I was like, what is it? There's a pre-party? I was like, there's another one? <laughs> oh, the tailgate. Did you guys do your prescriptions? No, actually yeah. we were like totally sober and it was a good ass really? time. Yeah. <laughs> Mark can't wait to drop with Taika. Would you drop E with Taika? Fuck yeah. That's tight. The minute he turns age, so probably like 14, 15. Wow. <laughs> Wait, is that ecstasy age? That's when I started. That I want to pass good. it down. And I feel like the experience would be so fucking sick. Cause you know, like you and your like parent and kid, you always have like 
there's this there's a gap right because you're like trying to parent you know like as much as tight as you want to be there's still that and to be able to break down some barriers and just connect just be- don't tell sh- social workers you're gonna let your minor drop you with you allegedly 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 this might wouldn't that be a great experience yeah. conceptual situation i used to smoke weed with my friend's mom that was See? cool and every she worked at McDonald's, so every time I went to McDonald's, she would hook us up with yeah, That's extra cheeseburgers that is and great. stuff. Yeah, she would, and she talked like this because she smoked a lot of cigarettes. She didn't yeah. smoke it from here <laughs> with a gravel voice. <laughs> You're gonna be a man today, Joe. <laughs> a McMan. You boys are some good boys. I put on extra chicken nuggets for ya. <laughs> I, got, I got another question for you. Uh, has any of your friend uh, tax professionals been asked to help launder and wash money and what was the craziest like proposal your friend got <laughs> well my friend <laughs> yeah 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 this guy gets it <laughs> this guy is good <laughs> nah, this is weird air dude yeah allergy season i mean the the, the, the the weirdest i don't even think that they're weird because i've seen so many different things yeah um but usually it usually revolves down to using like international shell companies and stuff like that oh yeah. so they are technically legitimate if they're done properly but there's a lot of structure that's happening to it so hypothetically how do you do it properly <laughs> I think here's a better question. So like, so so there are a lot of loopholes, right? And um, things that are unobtainable for maybe someone at the like low million range. But then you have all these billionaires and everyone who can do offshore and all this stuff. Um, at what point do you think it's actually worth it to to spend money? To doing that because basically the way they're looking at it is like do I take the tax hit or do I spend money and create like an Irish corporation or whatever it is Um, and then so I'm always looking at the threshold like okay when is it it makes sense for someone like I don't know Google or like Jeff Bezos or whatever to fucking go out and do this but what about guys that own a donut shop and then we have like three shops like do they need a Cayman's account like no probably not but then yeah so I guess what type of revenue or is it a revenue what's, thing? What's yeah, the threshold? Yeah, yeah what is the point? The income threshold? Yeah. It, it, it comes down to a couple things, like what type of industry or business that they're in, right? So like the, the Caymans and what they call the Irish thing is double Dutch, double Dutch sandwich, where basically they have some other company in Ireland or whatever holding intellectual property and there's like a leasing agreement that happens between each other and that moves that money offshore. But to operate that thing properly, you need a big four accounting firm, you're paying millions of dollars to make that run, so you're probably in the 50- Millions a year? Yeah, just to operate. 50 to 100 million. Annually? 50 to 100 million per year in That's terms of- So we're not, we're not there yeah, yet. Okay. Yeah, So there, I mean, there are guys that are in the 10 to 25 million, they're using offshore, but it's for very specific purposes. What about like the 10 to 20,000? <laughs> <laughs> uh, honey bank. <laughs> so Bank of America's fine yeah. then? Okay, cool. <laughs> As a financial person who does taxes, and, and again, everybody is fucking relating to this kind of thing, especially April, right? What is like either the biggest, like, uh, thing that uh, a loophole in the system or, or or just something that most normal people would be able to like utilize 
you know what I mean, in order to either reduce their liability or like just something that would benefit them financially, especially for the people that are subscribed at home to this channel. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you gotta click like and subscribe for top secret stuff. But, <laughs> immediate twenty um, percent off immediately your taxes. Click on that button down there. So like the the biggest thing that I find is is when folks come to me and they ask me for so we do a lot of tax strategy for clients. And they're like, hey, how do I reduce my tax liability? And they're just like a W-2 employee. There's not a lot of things that we could do there if they're like a nine to fiver. Because they take your tax before you get your paycheck. Right, they take the tax before you take your paycheck. But on top of that, they simplified the tax code five years ago where you can't deduct a whole lot of cool things. Mm -hmm. So usually my first question to ask folks is number one, do you operate a business or have you been considering starting a business? Whether you maybe, let's say if you're an engineer or an architect, let's say instead you still had that job, but now you did some consulting. Now, if you did some consulting and brought some revenue or income in from there, there's a lot of expenses they could operate against it that might not be traditionally tax deductible initially, but now are tax deductible, mm -hmm. right? So the biggest thing really is like, if you're in a position where you're like, I'm paying way too much in tax, what can I do? My first thing is, hey, do you have a business or have you considered starting a business? Step two, let's say we all have personal LLCs, right? Which we all, we all do. We all do, nice. Speak for yourself. I'm a sole prop, <laughs> super exposed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I, don't I don't have a personal LLC. You have a personal LLC? Mm -hmm. Sex haver LLC? Yep. No, that one was taken. <laughs> Sex pert. Sex giver. Sex 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 giver. Yeah, I don't know if I have a personal LLC. Should I get one? Yeah, you should. Bert right. Kwan. All right. Bert Kwan. Bert Kwan businesses. So let's say uh, you're like, <laughs> have you thought about operating or do you own or operate your own? Somebody's like, yes. Then after that, what are like your main go-to things that you're like, boom, boom, boom. You're talking to the room right now. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone here is a freelancer like, or, yeah. So when it comes to like tax strategy, right, there's, there's basically three different things you can do. You have time shifting strategies. Time shifting? Time shifting. You have income shifting strategies, which meaning you're shifting income from one bracket to another, and then you have general deductions. So time shifting is I've only heard of general deductions. My CPA <laughs> must suck. My CPA must suck. I was like, what are the other two? Yeah, what's time shifting? So time shifting is you're basically shifting the tax liability to a point in the future. So normal tools that we would use are things like setting up an IRA or a 401k, uh, okay, okay. private pension plan, even like very specifically designed life insurance policies can shift that tax liability to a different point in the future. Mm. So that's time shifting. Today's video is brought to you by Audible. Now, I've been doing these long road trips, as you know. Yeah, I do know. Vegas to LA, and sometimes Northern California if I feel like it. But one thing that I've been really getting into is audiobooks. And what I realized too is I'm more of a audio learner than a visual learner. And so I'm really into this whole like self-help stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. every single time I have free time, I feel like aside from just being entertained, I want to like develop myself and be a bit of a nerd. So what I've been doing is going through the list on Audible and trying to hack my brain, right? How do I deal with my feelings? How do I deal with this and that? And Audible has a lot of dope stuff in different categories from podcasts to audiobooks. There's just so much content, it's mind blowing. But what's awesome, if you're a new member, you get the first 30 day free. A audio entertainment all in one app. So like Joe was saying, they got audiobooks, podcasts, mm -hmm. comedy, mm -hmm. music, performances. They got all kinds of stuff. So it's a really cool app, it's all encompassing. And like what he was saying is if you're a new member, you get 30 days for free to try out. So I highly recommend it. So if you want to check it out, go to audible.com slash off the record or text off the record to 
500. It's so easy. Go to audible.com slash off the record or text off the record to 500 500. Income shifting is shifting your income bracket from where you are in a high bracket to a lower bracket. And you can either do it by setting up specially designed C corporations if you have that type of revenue. Um, even paying what's, kids. What's that type of revenue you need to have to do a C corp? Again, it's like it's kind of like really. That's a great question. It's really specific based on a person's situation. Mm. So a good example is I had a client. He had a business that was pushing about fifteen million dollars a year in revenue. His net profit is a million, and he was trying to find ways to reduce his income. His net was a million. It was very labor intensive. What? Yeah, after so, fifteen, that's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of labor involved. It's a very labor intensive business that he operated. And so for him, he was like, hey, I have these expenses that I can't deduct because it's in this S-corp structure. So I was like, well, if we created a C-corp that houses these things, I'm getting super in the weeds now, but if we create a specially designed C-corp that houses these things, you could legitimately deduct it and you're pulling it off of your income and you're reducing your tax by that. So that's one. Another one that might be more common is like, for me, I have an 18 year old kid. I bought him a car paid for his car insurance, that's normally not deductible. So instead what I did is I had him work for me, he can make 12 grand a year from income from me on a tax-free basis. So I'm going from a high tax bracket where I'm at to zero where he's at, and I'm basically deducting things that I already gonna buy for him. And that's common. A lot of people oh, employ their family members and make them officers of companies, and then when you go on a trip or whatever, it's a business expense or whatever. But I think, yeah, the key though to not be illegal is you have to bring some sort of income. You can't just have a business just to write off shit. Cash only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's a really good point, right? It, it, I love this it hobby. Can't be, it can't like, be a hobby. How do we do this? Like a hobby to the IRS is like it's non-profit mode of generating. If it's a hobby, the IRS doesn't allow you to deduct losses. Mm. So it's gotta be for profit motives, right? And then so the last thing, the third one is deducting shifting strategies. So just being really creative with what you can deduct. Like, so for example, like I run a lot of my business out of my home and typically for a home office expense, you can only deduct that room or one room for that purpose. But as an S corporation, I could actually lease a portion of my residence back to my company. So it's paying the lease for that portion because oh, I'm shooting content all around. I have clients come over, I have yeah. employees come over. Because I knew that strategy when you lease a home, but I was going to ask, like when you own a home, how would you do it? And that makes sense. You it lease a portion easy. of your home to the business. Yeah, you become a oh, landlord to your business. So good. And then so you pick up that income on your individual side, but then you offset it by the expenses to operate the, the property. Wow. There's so many clever ways to do it. You explain it so well. Yeah, well thank like you. Like a dummy, like I can understand, you know? No, I you still don't understand. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to rewatch this video. When it's out, I'm gonna what? take oh. notes and shit. <laughs> what got you into like accounting and, and, and tax law and all, all this stuff? Like, Yeah, man, that's a really good question. So like, like, you went from owning a, a, what, like a, like a, like a, like a chop shop. No, I'm just kidding. Like a, <laughs> like a, like a like an auto mechanic, you know, like improving rice rockets and stuff and whatever to accounting? So I, I went from that and then I got into financial planning, the insurance and financial planning industry. Oh. And this is back in 2008. So 2008, the stock market was booming. This is right before Lehman Brothers crashed. And then I ironically needed a tax deduction. So my dad was like, hey, why don't you get into the tax business? And I ended up buying um, four franchises with this company called Liberty Tax. Oh! So that's how I got started in the tax business. So I got into the tax business and then Lehman Brothers collapsed, the entire financial market collapsed, my entire financial planning business got decimated. And I was just in the tax business. Um, as a person under- Did you cry? Oh, dude, it was painful times. Oh, like, God. house got foreclosed on. Oh my God. Dude, a whole, a whole, it was a shit show. But did you cry though? Oh, I definitely cried. Oh, I cried tears. 
tears. <laughs> Not tears of joy, tears of sadness. But uh -oh. seriously though, like when you hit rock bottom like that, do you, like what are your thoughts at that yeah. point? I mean it was tough, like I had a young kid and I was still married at the time. It was like, I, How old was he? When I got into the tax business 13 years ago, so he oh, was shit. five. Wow. Wow. That's a scary fucking That's time. That's crazy. <sighs> I still remember that packing up the house because the house is being foreclosed on. Oh. And then moving out to Worcester, Massachusetts, for the first part of the year, as we're building out this office, we're sleeping in the back of the office wow. to make it work. Yeah, that's crazy. Damn. That's a really cool fucking story, though. Yeah. But to to know, I know where you are at now, and it's like it's like that. I mean, that entrepreneurial like ups and downs. It's the you signed up for this kind of work. You know, it's like this is the life. You just. You have two businesses and it just disappears and then now you got to do it all over again. Dude, the number of times I've, I've restarted and like like entrepreneurship is interesting, right? Because you got to finish that sentence. Through, How many <laughs> times did you restart? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think a lot of people need to hear that right now. <laughs> the number of times I failed and restarted so many times, just number of times hit rock bottom. Yeah. So the first one was my automotive business. This is 2001. My business partner and I we end up having a falling out. I ended up walking away from a million dollar business because yeah. we had a lawsuit and all this stuff. That was part number one. Part number two is 2008, I had this great financial planning business, got into the Liberty Tax, that where my main source of income collapsed. House got foreclosed on, moved out to, to Worcester, Massachusetts to run this business, just a big struggle. And then like seven years ago, same thing. I, I helped my ex-wife at the time with her, her YouTube channel and we got this like huge subscriber number, stuff like that, ended up getting divorced Again, start from scratch, mm. right? So like, because that was the channel was like the partnership, and so she left with that, and then you had to restart. So I mean, it's it, that life is just like this beautiful journey, and like it's a duality in life. You have these ups and downs. Doesn't sound beautiful at all. He, ma he, makes it, he makes it sound beautiful. He makes it sound soft, but it yeah. still it still sounds a little tough. But like those lows, those low moments help you really appreciate the high moments. And maybe I'm just just like this is my like. You're speaking from a high moment. <laughs> so when that's you look cool, at your your board ape, you're like, <laughs> this is so high. <laughs> this is one of my highest moments. You gotta love life. Wow. You bring up a really good point because I think um, I was like, when I was hearing your story, I'm like, man, I'm so lucky I don't have any lows. Like, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I do. I just don't maybe recognize it as a low because I can't accept it. So I'll have to create some type of, oh, I want this to happen. I want to be in debt for 200 grand with the government because fuck it, I'm, I'm a degen, yeah. right? So I'll create these things in my head and I'm like, I'll, and then it gives me the courage to just pay it off and I'm done. But then it, the effect that it had, it's almost like delusional. Where like, it's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't in a bad place. It's like the Michael Jordan's thing, right? The last dance, he was like, I took that person. But I, but I think I've hit rock bottom a couple of times yeah. and maybe emotionally felt it, but my mind didn't recognize it. You're like there right now, aren't you? Well, I play it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna turn it up a real hot. You went through a divorce, what was that like? Like what led to it? How was that? Why did it happen? And then No, that's a that's a really good question. So like, okay, in, in like in relationships, by no means is it it's just one person, right? It's it's a it's a two-way street. It's two people working together to make things work. So it's her fault. So yeah, okay. mostly, yeah. mostly, 60, 40, 70, 30. But there, there's a combination of factors that had happened. So I was raised in a cult. I met my ex-wife in a cult. So our like our mental Whoa. framework was kind of like, 
I wonder if our cult's bigger, bigger crazier than your cult. Let's see. Let's duel it out right Let's now. See. Battle of the so, cult. There's so many good. You gotta finish these sentences. Hold eight, on. It's yeah, eighth so day Adventist. Eighth oh day. God. He's even crazier. eighth day Adventist. So, so you're wait. You're both. You're both from the same cult. Well, okay, so let's let's is backtrack a, a little bit. Is it a known cult? Yes. Can you say it or not? Yeah, I could say it. What is it? So it's it's a long name. It's called the Supreme Master Qinghai International Meditation Association. It's still an active force today. I still have family members in it. Yeah. Supreme Supreme Master Qinghai International. Qinghai. Qinghai. Meditation International Meditation. Is that that Buddhist group that? I think I've heard. Well, there's another name for it. If you've gone to like the Loving Hut vegan restaurants, mm -hmm. they're part of the group. Oh, so they're as soon as you so say Supreme Master, you know it's some is culture. There a <laughs> yeah, Supreme Master. You're not Supreme Master, Bart. <laughs> Does this cult have a prophet? Yes, yeah, so there is a leader to the cult. And it's been around for quite a while. It's based out of Taiwan for quite a while. And it, you know, at its peak, I think it had over 100,000 members. Whoa. So your parents and her parents were in it. Yeah. And then you were raised in it. So this was normal life for you guys. It was normal life. Yeah. Yeah, it's part yeah. of that. So like in, internally, like the, the mental framework was very different. Mm -hmm. And then when you come back to the outside world, you're like, oh shit, this is what life is supposed to be. So that's how we met and like kind of like our relationship are, always had some struggle because of that. Um, and then for what me- What caused like, the struggle if you guys like kind of had common ground in that area? I think the biggest thing is just like, you know, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there's a combination of things like cults are really unique and there's this framework of what defines to be a cult. So one of the main frameworks is does, a, does that cult or that group influence who you're supposed to hang out with and how you make decisions and judgments in life? Yeah, right. yeah. So in part of that group, like, if we were to hang out with more people from the outside or have our friends, like, we would get karma and it would be harder for us to become enlightened. Wow. So it would pull us away from the outside. So we didn't have a great friend group. And the challenge of, like, relationships and marriages, and this, is, this doesn't have to be in a cult too, is sometimes we rely on our partners to be our best friend, our lover, the mother of a kid, like all these things, that's that's a lot of pressure that we put on that person. That's true. And so we rely on having great friends that we could maybe shoot the shit with, maybe talk about things that maybe we we want to have a sounding board before we talk to our wife. Mm. I didn't have that. Yeah. So like, a lot of cult and heavy religious stuff, it's like you can't even say your real things because then they'll judge you or like it's like it's not real friends and stuff. Mm, yes. At least that's how I felt. Like yeah. there's like the subconscious, and it's 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 not like the group said it, yeah. but there's always a subconscious internal judgment of yourself. And us as Asian Americans, we typically become like much more harsh in our inner language than what we say to other people. Yeah. So like that was me. Like I had a lot of inner judgment. Damn. Because I was always concerned of like shit. If I do this, I'm not going to get enlightened. If I do this, I'm not going to get liberated in this one lifetime. You know. Wow. If in like part of it too is like if you had. If you had sex or like you made love to your your, your partner, you would actually lose the you, you'd have to work harder to become enlightened because wow. now you're more in the physical body as opposed to focused on your wow. meditation and enlightenment. I'm working so hard out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, so there was there was a really a lot there, and then as we got out of the cult, the challenge I had is I always lost myself in work. My escapism was from work, mm. and so in a relationship, I would be physically present but not mentally present. Mm because my mind would always be in work. And yeah, then you combine yeah. that the YouTube and social media world where you're always it's being non -stop, analyzed yeah. nonstop all the time. Yeah. 
Like we're like everything was about shooting content. Like family vacations wouldn't be family vacations. We'd be shooting content. Mm. And so the challenge that I had is I was not good at set creating boundaries. Yeah, mm. that was my fault, right? And I wasn't great at communicating and all these different things, right? And you know, obviously she had her challenges. We all. What was she good at? <laughs> yeah, talk about that. <laughs> Enough about you, man. <laughs> I mean, I you know I don't want to. I'm not the kind of person that that says anything bad about anybody. Yeah, else, put her on but, blast. You know, the fuck, dude. That was definitely like for me a big challenge. Do, do you for cult culture? Hmm. Do you acknowledge it's a cult while you're in it, or do you only recognize it's a cult after? You're, out of Dude, man. So like a, when you're in a cult, like you've been indoctrinated and you have this belief that you're doing everything right. Like we believe we're saving the world and everything, but it's like an abusive relationship. Yeah. Your homies on the outside are like, yo, that relationship's toxic. He's like, nah, man, Just I know, it. I know. I mean, I got the black eyes and shit like that, but it's good, everything's good. And, and it's it's even worse because you were born into it. Yeah. I think that, man, that's is hard. way Roots hard. are yeah. ingrained. Well, I was just born into it, it, I was 12 when I got into the group. But that's still very much like but if it's such a formidable time parents, in your life, right? Yeah. yeah. If it's reinforced by your parents, you have relatives, your whole community, everyone you know, your wife. Like, there's a there's a terminology for it where it's like a, a something bias, right? Where um, where if your life depends on something, people don't want to leave it. So like. So like pastors, a lot of the times, you know, they want to. They won't even consider that maybe. Christianity or something might not be the thing to believe, you know, and then because they're they have a salary from the church They have the whole community in the church. So for them, they can't even question it exactly So a lot of the times if you belong to an institution that also is your livelihood a lot of people make it's extremely difficult because there's nothing you can say to even bend that reality and then you have this this veiled threat and it's not a communicated threat but a veiled threat of like if you leave this group, you lose your entire friend group, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Your entire community. And that was part of it. The, the unintent, not unintentionally, they subconsciously isolate you from the outside world. And then they're like, this is where all your homies are at. Yeah. So if you realize that it's no longer a right thing to do and you leave, you're back in the world with nobody, mm. right? So like for me, like my identity was shattered. Like when I decided to leave the group, and that's another freaking crazy story. How old were you when you decided to leave the group? It was pretty recent. It was, um, I think I was like 31. That's oh. pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. I've been waiting to leave JK. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been like a year. <laughs> pretty master part. Friends in the car scene were also in that cult? No, no. So like the car scene, I was in the cult during the car scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was in the car scene when I was still in the cult. Um, but you never mixed them. Never mixed them. Yeah, never mixed them. Like that was for me, like where I actually was in touch with like real people. That's the car wow. scene, like the car scene for me is like it's like not escape. like an escape, but not necessarily just an escape. But that was my community. Mm-hmm. I love the car. Race wars. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. This no. 20 minutes is not enough, man. Dude, really it's is. not and enough. We had seven minutes. We haven't even got to the divorce yeah. story. What he's yeah. learned. We just I got know. so stuck he, with the cult shit. Yeah. Yeah.